Thank you for my bag. <laughs> I feel a whole lot better. <laughs> you have not because you won. <laughs> oh, that's pitiful. Well, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I know the Lord. And glad the Word of God says I've been accepted into the beloved. King of all the earth, in him I am far richer than I could have expected. But best of all is the joy of knowing I am accepted. Hey, I'm accepted. How blessed can someone be? Settle my sin, then 
Once, once, 
Amen. Well, I hope tonight that you're still amazed at God's grace. Amen. Ain't nothing like it. Nothing like it. I'm glad for the grace that he has shown in my life. And I want you to take your Bible this evening. Let's go to the book of Mark. Mark chapter number 2. And it is good to be back in church on Friday night. Appreciate you being here. And appreciate what the Lord did Wednesday night. Just uh, helping our hearts and giving us some encouragement. That was a blessing. And I do appreciate Brother Gordon uh, mentioning about what Nathan's got coming up next July. And uh, you be praying for him. He's got a heart to do something for God. And he's just trying to get some direction on what that is right now. This is his last year of school. And so he's just trying to see what God has for his life. So you, you pray for Nathan. But I appreciate him just wanting to do the will of God. Wanting to serve God. And he's, he's been a blessing to me and, me and his mom. And so I'm thankful for him, and I'm thankful for anything you can do to help him. He does have those pictures out there. We don't say a lot about our table uh, usually, but we y'all know we got CDs back there, and now we got the flash drives for all you high tech people that don't use CDs anymore. Amen. And uh, some of you, some of you, I'm looking around though. Some of you still use cassettes, don't you? <laughs> There's a few of you still got cassette tapes, and uh, but all that's out there. But check out his pictures he takes and. And uh, so I appreciate that. But Mark chapter number 2 this evening, and I'm going to try to mind the Lord and not think about the fact that we've got Blue Bell ice cream waiting on us, all right? So that's, that's a chore, ain't it? But uh, hey, somebody ought to thank God for Blue Bell. <laughs> Mark 2, beginning in verse number 1. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. Straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born afore. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith... He saith unto the son, to the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. And by the way, they still hang around Baptist churches. Verse 7, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in the spirit that they so reasoned within themselves... He said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. We'll leave off for eating right there tonight, but I want to preach this first night of the missions conference on this thought, getting them to Jesus. 
Getting them to Jesus. I believe there's two main aspects that go into the work of missions and evangelism. And that is going and giving. Tomorrow night, Lord willing, we'll deal a little bit more with the giving. We'll touch on it some tonight. But tonight I really want to look at that going part. Brother Norman's already presented it in his uh, video there. He used the verse there in Mark chapter 16. Go ye. Somebody's got to go. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. Somebody's got to go. I'm glad tonight we got some missionaries here with us this evening that said, I'll go. I'll go. I'll get the job done. Lord, wherever you want me to go, whether it's right here at home or abroad, I'll go to do your will. I'll go to help somebody know about your son, Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the missionaries tonight. Praise God for you. Appreciate you being willing to answer that call. I appreciate you being willing to step out of your comfort zone and do something for the glory of God. Somebody's got to go. Go ye into all the world. Somebody's got to go to Africa. Somebody's got to go to Scotland and the United Kingdom and and fill in for these missionaries needing to come home on furlough. Somebody's got to go to Mexico. Somebody's got to get to the regions beyond. But listen, somebody's got to go across the street. I know when we have missions conference, the emphasis uh, generally is on worldwide missions, amen, but let's not forget what we need to be doing for God even right here at home, in our communities, around our local church, amen, somebody's got to walk across the road and say, hey, do you know Jesus? Anybody ever told you about the Lord? Somebody's got to walk across the, the hall at work and say, hey, do you know the Lord? Amen. Somebody's got to be willing to go, whether it be another country or even just the other side of the road. Amen. Somebody's got to answer the call so we can get some people to Jesus. Look, man, I can't save anybody. You can't save anybody. These missionaries, we can't save anybody, but we can sure point them to the one that can. Amen. Just like these men helped a man that he could not help himself, they said, we'll help get you to the one that can help you. I can't save anybody. And listen, we got new believers here tonight. Let me be very careful to say, you, you got a zeal. You want to see other people saved now. Your family and friends and workers. Let me say, you can't beat them on top of the head and drag them by the hair down to the altar and say, now you call on Jesus now. Right. It don't work that way. Wouldn't it be nice if it did? But that's not how it works. God's got to deal with them. God's got to be working on their heart. But sometimes that working starts with just somebody saying, hey, can I tell you about what Jesus did for me? Sometimes it's just a matter of seeing a need and saying, can I help you with that need? Can I tell you about one who can take care of that need? Amen. I appreciate good good soul winning churches and churches that still go out on visitation and knock doors. Amen. But even then you got to be careful. You don't get a little overzealous and you try to force people into something. We, we don't go door to door trying to shove this down people's throat. But there might just be somebody that God's already dealing with. And they just need a little help like that Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts. Amen. He just said, I, I'm reading this, but I need a little help understanding. And God sent Philip there at that place just at just the right time, the right moment. Amen. Amen. We can't force anybody to get saved. That's not our job. That's not our responsibility. But let me ask you, are you going to do your part to go and at least try to look and see if there's a need? See if there's somebody that's maybe searching, somebody that just needs a little help along the way. Getting them to Jesus. 
me give you several thoughts as we walk through this text, and then we'll go enjoy some ice cream. Amen. If you can endure this for a few minutes, amen, you will, you will be rewarded at the end. Hallelujah. Hey, as I read through these verses, you know what I see? I see that this crowd in Mark chapter number 2, they, they were a Bible crowd. No, don't miss verse number one though. It said, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days. I like this, and it was noise that he was in the house. Yeah. You know when he's in the house, it'll get a little bit noisy. Right. A lot of our Baptist churches have grown so quiet and cold and dead and dry. Amen. The only thing I can figure is he ain't in the house. Because when he comes in the house, amen, there'll be a little bit of shouting along the way. And there'll be some rejoicing along the way. Now, I did take that a little bit out of context. It didn't say it was noisy. It said it was noise that he was in the house. In other words, he was in the house and they said, we got to go tell somebody. we got to go let people know that Jesus is in the house. But notice what happened there in verse number 2. It said, And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. That's a big crowd. No, not so much as about the door. And watch it. And he preached the word unto them. Here, brother and sister, you have the Word preaching the Word. Man, what a, what a sight to behold, man. Wouldn't that have been something just, just to sit there and hear the Word as he is preaching the Word. You know what Jesus did when he got a crowd together? He didn't have a gospel singing. Well, we're in the Carolinas. I didn't get many amens on that. <laughs> Look, I, I like gospel singing. As a matter of fact, you can't read your Bible without understanding God's people have always been a singing people. God made us that way, and, and that's okay. Amen. We like singing, but listen, that ain't the main thing of what we do around here. Amen. He, he, he did not have a gospel singing. He didn't have a circus or a clown show. He didn't do any of that. He preached the Word unto them. They, they were a Bible crowd. If we're ever going to get anybody to Jesus, you're not going to do it apart from the Word of God. You understand that tonight? The Word of God has to be present to get somebody to Jesus. Now, it might be a preacher opening up the Word of God and preaching, thus saith the Lord. It might be grabbing one of them gospel tracts, grabbing a handful and passing them out around Myrtle Beach, but they contain the Word of God. I think I mentioned this last year when we were here. I have heard some gospel songs that were so heavy in the gospel and the doctrine. I've heard about people that got saved from listening to a gospel song. I believe that's possible. But it was the Word. It was the Word that did the job. And we're, we're in a day and hour where it seems like a lot of our, our religious circles and our churches are saying, you know, let's just lay the Bible aside. Let's lay our doctrine aside. And let's just all come together and, and unify without doctrine and without the Bible. You ain't going to do much for God apart from His Word. Amen. Singing in and of itself is not going to get the job done. Amen. You can have all the promotions and pushes and and that's fine and all, but I tell you what, if you leave the Word of God out, it will be to no avail. You've got to have the book. You've got to have the preaching of God's Word. That is what He has chosen to reach people with the Gospel. We're in a day people want to lay that aside and let's just all come together and have a big entertainment center and all feel good and fluffy and sing Kumbaya. And people are leaving out the same way they came in. No change, no difference. Amen. We are in a day. Amen. The Bible did say, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Lester Roloff said many years ago, when preaching goes out of season, just keep shooting. 
Amen. Preachers, missionaries, just keep shooting. Amen. Whether it's received or not, whether it fills up the altars or not, whether it's popular or not, just keep on preaching. Amen. Now, they were a Bible crowd. There's a second thing I, I see in verse number three. They were a bringing crowd. Verse 3 said, And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. I tell you what, I like that crowd tonight. It's still interested in trying to bring folks to Jesus. Again, we can't save them. We can't make them get born again. But you know what? We can do our part to try to compel them to come. We can run the buses up and down the road, amen, and try to get children and even adults, amen, to get on that bus and come to a place where they can hear about Jesus. We can still, amen, send missionaries around the world, amen, to do their part in bringing folks to the Lord and to come into a knowledge of the gospel in Jesus Christ. We see their compassion, just the fact that they would walk by this man and see a need and say, that man needs some help. It doesn't say anywhere in this passage that they knew this man personally or that he was a friend or a fan. Maybe he was, but it doesn't say that. For all we know tonight, they came upon this man and just recognized the need and it might have been that they had heard that noise that Jesus was in the house. Maybe they were headed that way and they had compassion on this man that had a great need. I mean, they could have been like, you know, we, we, we got to get there. I mean, the, we heard the place is filling up. We got to make sure we get a seat somewhere. We get a spot somewhere. We ain't got time for you. Sorry, sir. We'll say a prayer for you along the way. Now, these men had, had compassion. The book of Jude said, and of some have compassion, making a difference. Church, you want to make a difference? Have some compassion. You're going to see people, I've already seen them this week. We've been in Myrtle Beach now since Monday. There are people that this world has beat down. There, there are people, amen, the devil has wreaked havoc in their life. And you see all kind of crazy things. I mean, it don't matter where you go in society anymore, but I've seen a lot of it this week. Brother Gordon, just around Myrtle Beach, I mean, just sin has wreaked havoc in people's lives. And the last thing that they need, are y'all listening to me? The last thing they need is for us to walk by them and go, Ew. Look, man, I'm for preaching the truth. I'm for preaching against sin. But there's some people, they just need some compassion because they ain't found any compassion out at the bar. They ain't found any compassion, amen, down at the dope deal. They ain't found much compassion in this world, amen. But I hope when they come to Friendship Baptist Church, amen, y'all live up to your name, amen. Show them some compassion. We see their cooperation. The Bible said in verse number 3, bringing one sick of the palsy which was born of four. You got four men that have come together to help carry a sick man to Jesus Christ. That's cooperation. And by the way, that's something that a lot of times independent fundamental Bible believing Baptists aren't very well known for. We're known for our great stand for truth and witnessing and running buses and doing all kind of good and needed things, but sometimes cooperation is not one of those things. I'm not getting much feedback right there, but it's still the truth. Amen. I wonder if we could bring this account into 2023, how it might would go. I mean, what we read in the Bible, it looks like they saw a need and they just said, hey, you grab a corner and I'll grab a corner. You boys get a corner and let's get him to the house where Jesus is. Now let me tell you how that would go nowadays. Now hold on. Now I just met you guys. Do y'all celebrate Christmas? 
Do you have a Christmas tree? <laughs> now look, man, have a Christmas tree, don't have a Christmas tree, I don't care. You do whatever you feel led to do. But I, I don't believe when we stand before God at the judgment seat, He's going to be really interested in whether we celebrated Christmas or had a Christmas tree or didn't have a Christmas. As much as He is, what would you do to get somebody to Jesus? Independent Baptists tonight are fighting over some of the most silly things. Most of them aren't even biblical convictions. They're more preferences. And I'm not against your preferences. I hope you're not against mine. Amen. But they are just that. They're preferences. Look, man, there, there are preachers, there, there are churches that will not fellowship with other churches if they use soundtracks or canned music. And that's a preference. I'm not saying it's a wrong preference. But listen, when it comes to getting somebody to Jesus, that shouldn't be a place where we go, I ain't helping you, I ain't grabbing a corner with you. I'm talking about we're fighting over things, amen, that in the grand scheme of things of eternity, I don't think God's going to be as much concerned about that as we thought He would be. Man, look, again, we're independent Baptists. We do things different. Different churches have different ways. I mean, that's why we're independent Baptists. And, uh, man, I mean, even when it comes to things like dress standards and things like that, Brother Gordon, some people have a higher standard or a lower standard. I just say, get you some standards, amen, and try to be pleasing to God, try to be holy. We're all going to draw the line a little bit different. But that's okay. That, that shouldn't hinder us from grabbing a corner and saying, I'll help you get that man to Jesus. Now, man, I'm not promoting ecumenicalism. I'm not saying let's all go hook up with the promise keepers and, and that kind of stuff, all right? But I am saying a lot of the things that we're fighting over tonight in our movement, I'm wondering why are we fighting over those things? And I'm wondering is God as concerned about some of those things as we are? Now listen, man, if it's the book, stand strong. Don't change, don't compromise. But even then, that don't mean you've got to go fighting every preacher in every other church in America. Because if you're busy fighting on that kind of stuff, somebody's not getting to Jesus. I think about tonight, I've got a... Uh, I've got a missionary friend. He's home on furlough right now. And it's been a joy just on social media, just watching him, you know, just around the states, the different churches he's been able to be at and just tell about how God's blessing the ministry. And it wasn't just a couple weeks ago I saw that he was at a church, uh, took a picture with a preacher that, you know, personally, I probably wouldn't go preach for that guy. But you know what? If that preacher and that church can help that missionary to go back to where God's called him to and get the job done, glory be to God. Why, why am I going to try to fight that? Are we okay tonight? <laughs> I'm talking about there was some cooperation. Man, if we're not careful, we're just we're falling out with everybody over every little thing. If you don't do it exactly like I do. My daughter, you saw her tonight. She, Brooke, stands up here and plays the bass guitar. We, we were at a church in Alabama last year and, and they said listen we'd rather you not play the bass guitar we've never had one in our church and we just, we'd just we rather it stay that way you know what? I didn't get mad about that brother Gordon I didn't say you're not going to let my daughter play that guitar I didn't get all well let's just go let's just go get in the, get in the car children that would have been silly but there's people that act that way no, you know what we did? We put the bass guitar back in the trailer and we just got up and sang and tried to be a blessing to that church because there's some things more important than the things that ruffle your feathers. 
Amen. I'd rather see somebody get some help. I'd rather somebody be encouraged. I'd rather somebody, amen, that maybe didn't know the Lord, get to know the Lord just a little bit better, even get saved. Amen. There's some cooperation here going on. So many Baptist churches tonight are splitting and fussing and fighting. You can't get much done in the work of missions, amen, if you're divided. Man, they were a bringing crowd. They realized there were some things more important than do you believe everything exactly like I believe it. Not only that, they were a burdened crowd. These men had a burden for this man. Look at verse number 4. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. They, they come to the house and it's so full of people. The crowd is so great, they can't get through the door. But you know what? They were committed to what they were doing. That tells me they had a burden for this man. If, if they hadn't had a burden, let's say, maybe they would have got him to the house, but then they would have said, hey man, we tried. But we can't get in there. I'm sorry. You're on your own. But they had a burden. When you've got a burden to do something, you'll get committed and you're not going to let the obstacles keep you from going on. They, they were committed. When they, when they found out that they couldn't go through the door the typical way, they said, hey, let's start looking for another way. Because they had a burden. If, if you're busy in the work of the Lord, but you don't have a burden, you will eventually burn out. We hear a lot about preachers burning out and missionaries burning out and, and he just church folks just burning out in the work of the Lord. I tell you what, it wasn't that they were busy. It was that they were busy without a burden. If you're trying to do this to make a name for yourself, you'll get burnt out at some point. If you're, if you're just doing this to, to try to impress somebody, you will burn out at some point. But I tell you what, you get full of the Spirit of God in your life, you get a good burden, amen, for lost sinners and, and the people of God to try to be a blessing to them. Even when it gets tough, even when it's difficult, that burden will keep you committed to the call that God has placed on your life. They were committed but they were careful with this man. The Bible said in verse number 4, when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. They're, they're letting down a bed. I don't know if they used ropes. I don't know what they used. They did something though to lower that bed down through the roof. They had to be very careful in doing that. And you know, just like they had to be careful with that man, we got to be careful with people. We got to be very careful, especially new converts. Be careful with them. They, they haven't learned what you've learned yet. Man, you're going to have people at this church that they, they hadn't been coming to church since they were in nursery and Sunday school and junior church. They didn't get to grow up going to the Christian school. They didn't, get to, they didn't have the opportunity to go off to Bible college. There's people that got saved later in life and they know nothing about that. And we're going to have to be a little bit careful with them. Be a little bit patient with them. Amen. You're not careful, you'll run them right back out into the world. And I've seen that happen. Be, be very, very careful. Amen. Now, this is, a, this is a King James Bible-believing Baptist church. Amen. Amen. But not everybody that comes through the door is going to have a King James Bible. You're right. You're right. And it's not your job to meet them at the door and say, 
What you got? Oh, you got the wrong one. <laughs> that ain't the way to handle that. Then you just let them come and you let the preacher preach and he'll teach. It'll come up at some point. And you know what? The Holy Spirit will work on that individual and eventually the light will come on. But give them time. Give God time to. I mean, I'm glad God's more patient than we are. Man, we want, we want people to get saved and then act like they just finished four years of Bible college by the next Sunday. Ain't that right sometimes? Why don't you have a little patience with them? Be careful with them. I, I remember years ago, we was out knocking doors and there was a lady, she, had hit, she hadn't been saved long. But while she was knocking doors, she got to lead somebody to the Lord. And she came back to the rest of our group and she said, I saved somebody. And she was so excited. And you know what another lady said? Well, you didn't save them. Oh, we know that. Goofball. I wasn't near as upset with the woman that said I saved somebody as I was with the one that got an attitude with her. Yeah. Amen. Just give them time. They'll figure it out. Yeah. But you keep trying to straighten them out. Amen. They're going to get frustrated. Yeah. Give them time to grow. Give them, I, give them time to grow. Amen. Amen. They, they might still come to church. It might be a while before they figure out how to dress right. right. But be patient with them. Right. Be very careful with them. Yeah. And somebody that has a burden, they'll be careful. Now again, if you're just in this thing to make a name for yourself or to try to impress the brethren, you'll hurt people along the way. But somebody that's really got a burden for people, they'll be very careful. But then there's a fourth thing I see about this crowd of people. They were a bold crowd. Again, in verse number 4, it said, and when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Would you agree with me tonight? That's a pretty bold move. I mean, these men dared to do what was different. They dared to do what was difficult. Oh, get this. They dared to do what was costly. Now think about this. We're in church tonight. If, if in the middle of this service you, you heard a commotion on the rooftop and all of a sudden you heard some banging and pounding and stuff starts falling in on your head and you look up just in time to see a hole in the roof and four heads pop down in that hole looking around, what's your response going to be? I doubt any of us are going to go, huh, what a blessing. Hallelujah. No, you know what Brother Gordon's going to do? He's going to say, uh, somebody go call the police and get them out here real quick. Somebody get up on that roof and get these people off of our roof. That's a pretty bold move. The, the conventional way, the door, it, it wasn't going to work. So they said, hey, we've got to get them to Jesus. No matter what the cost, and they get up on the roof and they tear the roof of this house off, and it doesn't even say they had a business meeting about it. Nowhere did it say, now hold on boys, we better vote on this because somebody's not going to be happy that we tore a roof in their house. It didn't matter if they tore the roof up. It didn't matter how much it would cost to fix the roof when it was all said and done. All that mattered, Jesus is in that house. This man needs Jesus and we've got to get him to him. If you're ever going to get somebody to Jesus, you're going to have to get some boldness about you. 
I'm, I'm, I'm preaching something right now. This point right here hits hard with me because I'm not a bold person at all. I just I, I, I cringe up around strangers, people I don't know, and even to be in the ministry tonight, sometimes I, I have to really put myself out there. I'm the guy that when I get on a plane, man, I'm like watching like, oh man, I hope I got a row all to myself, you know, and I'm watching the people. And as the, the more it fills up and they keep walking by, I'm like, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, there are some people, they can talk to anybody. They just, they're, they're excited to talk. I wish I was more like that. Man, my, my, uh, my dad passed away nine years ago and my mom remarried some years later and, and, and my stepdad, man, he, he will talk to anybody. That man's never met a stranger. I wish I was more like that. If you're ever going to get somebody to Jesus, you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone and get some boldness about you. My, my 17-year-old son here, Nathan, he's more bold than I am. I'll leave tracks all over the place, but man, he just walks up here. Can I give you something? Can I give you something? And I'm thinking, I need to do that more myself. I appreciate his boldness. But find a way. Find, a, find some way to be a witness. And it might mean just putting yourself out there, doing something that seems uncomfortable, but you do it because you know they need to hear. You know somebody's got to get the message of the gospel to them. You're going to have to get a little bit bold. You know what, some of you, even in your giving this weekend, it might be that you need to get a little bit bold in your giving. Maybe God hadn't called you to go to another country, but He might want you to get a little bit bold in what you give. Maybe you've been playing it safe. And He's just saying it's time to take a step up. Get a little bit bold in your giving. We'll deal, deal with that more tomorrow night. But if we're ever going to get people to Jesus... We're going to have to get bold about what we do. So many churches tonight are more worried about their business meetings and budgets and things like that. And I'm not against those things, Brother Gordon. But there are some churches that they're more concerned about that stuff than actually getting somebody to Jesus. I know some pastors that would really like to do something for God tonight. I know some pastors that would really like to do more evangelism and do for do more for missions, but you know, the budget, they just say, well, no, we can't do that or we can't change this or we got to vote on every little thing and, and that poor preacher wants to do something for God, but the church has got his hands tied. God ain't going to bless a church like that. Again, you don't see anywhere where they say, we got to vote on this. We gotta check our budget and make sure we can afford to repair the No, they just said, get him to Jesus. They were bold. Tell you something else about these guys. They were a believing crowd. Look at verse five. When Jesus saw their faith, not just the palsied man. He saw their faith. Now that might have included the sick man, the palsied man, but it's plural, their faith. He not only saw the faith of the sick man, he's looking at the faith of these men that are bringing him. They came believing that Jesus would do something. They expected something to happen. Maybe the reason we don't see much happen in our day and hour, there ain't much faith. That's right. 
There's not a lot of faith in the power of God and what God can do. You realize tonight His power has not changed one bit. The same power that He had to part that Red Sea, the same power that He had to get Himself up from the dead, the same power, amen, that He has always had, He still has tonight. He's just looking for some people that will have some faith and believe that He can do what He says He can do. These fellas went expecting something to happen. I don't think they would have gone through all that trouble if they didn't really believe if we could just get him to Christ. He'll get the help he needs. They were believing. You ain't going to do much for missions if you ain't got some great faith. I tell you the church that'll do something for for mission. It's not the one that shouts the loudest and I'm for the shout and I'm for it. But that's not the church that might necessarily do the greatest for missions. It's not the church that has the best choir, the best singers. It's not even the church that has the most dynamic preacher. I tell you who do something for God in the area of missions. It's that crowd that says, I've seen what God can do. And I believe He can do more. I believe He can do more through me. They, they believed. They trusted Him. I don't want to move on without pointing this out in verse number 5. It said, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now I don't see anywhere where these men had any concern necessarily about his sinful condition. They just saw that he was in pain and needed some help. But you know what Jesus did? He dealt with the man's sins first. He dealt with the man's sins before he dealt with the man's sickness. Now, I'm all for, in the work of missions, uh, doing what you can to try to help people with food, health, medical aid. There ain't nothing wrong with that. The Lord can use that as a doorway in. And in the days that we're living where it's getting harder, it seems like to even get the gospel some places, you might have to get a little bit creative. And that's okay. But if we don't give them the gospel of Christ, then all we've did is fed them for a few days and made them physically better. And then they'll still die and go to hell. If that's all we do. Jesus dealt with this man's sins before he ever dealt with his sickness. That ain't the way the faith healers do it, is it? Benny Hinn? That ain't the way Benny does it. By the way, Benny Hinn couldn't cure a ham, amen. Amen. And just because I'm holding a handheld mic doesn't mean we're having a healing service tonight, amen. I ain't going to have you come up here and blow in your face. Amen. You might pass out, but it won't be <laughs> from that breath of air. He said, son, that word son, you know what that did? That put him into the family of God. Then he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. That word forgiven put, it, put him in fellowship with God. There's another thing I see here. Not only were they a believing crowd, they were a busy crowd. They were busy doing something for God. And I say that in verse number 6. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Here here you have the scribes. They're they're just sitting there doing nothing. 
except being critical. So I say that they were busy in contrast to what the scribes were doing. You know what? Sitters don't serve. That crowd that all they want to do is come in and plop down in a seat and they just want to criticize and critique, amen, everything that's going on. They ain't going to do anything for God. I want to be part of that crowd that gets busy in the work of God that says, Lord, what would you have me to do? Where would you have me to go? What exactly would you have me to give? Amen. I don't want to be part of that crowd that just comes and sits but never does anything. Now listen, man, no doubt your church is like every other church in America. You've got a Sunday morning only crowd. And thank God for those that just come on Sunday morning. Amen. But I don't want that to be my testimony. I want to be that crowd that says, man, I want to get involved in the work of God. I want to do something for God so that He can get glory and people can be saved and helped and blessed. Listen, brother and sister, if all you do is sit, you'll end up getting cold and complacent. You'll get critical of everything that's going on and at some point, you're just going to get carnal. The, the people that all they do is sit. All they do is sit around and find fault with those who are busy. You know what they're doing? They're busy telling you how you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't have done it that way. Yeah, but you didn't do it at all. Right. <laughs> when I think a better way, then, then do it. Right. You got a better way? Do it. Yeah. I'm amazed at how many people will be critical of the pastor. Amen. And they ain't ever tried to pastor a church. <laughs> Don't you try it before you get critical. Amen. The Bible said there in verse number 7, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? I mean, they're just sitting around questioning it. Why? Who? Instead of looking at it and saying, What a blessing. What a blessing that these men got this man to Jesus and Jesus saved him and Jesus healed him and Jesus helped him. But instead, all they're doing is sitting there being critical of everything. When they saw what Christ did for this man, their reaction should have been, you know what? He really must be the Son of God. That's what their reaction should have been. You know what they said instead? Okay, let's kill him. Because the Bible said there that Jesus answered them. Look at verse 8. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reason within themselves, they're not saying these things out loud. This is all within. But Jesus knows what's in their hearts. He said in verse 8, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. They should have said right there, He really is the Son of God. But you know what they said instead? Over there in chapter number 3, the very next chapter, verse 6. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. That was their reaction. Instead of, what a blessing, a man got help. What a blessing that this man named Jesus helped. I believe that that's the Son of God. They said, he embarrassed me, let's kill him. And by the way, it's a little off topic. But I'm going to throw it in anyway. That happens in churches all across America all the time. The preacher will get up and preach a bold Bible message. And God will convict 
And rather than just saying, I need to repent and get right with God, you know what they do? Let's kill the preacher. Let's kill the preacher's family. You say, preacher, what does this have to do with missions? You ain't going to do much for missions if you've got that kind of church. And I don't sense that you have that kind of church, but don't become that kind of church. Amen. But that goes on too often in Baptist churches all across this land. Let me, let me finish tonight by pointing out that they were, they were a bragging crowd. Not bragging on themselves. But look, look at verse number 12. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. Hey, they'd never seen it like that before. But you know what I like about all this crowd, other than the scribes, obviously, who were just sitting there with an attitude. Matter of fact, at this point, Brother Gordon, it might have been that they already finally got up out of their seat, but they left. They went to go have a business meeting. <laughs> But you know what the rest of them did? They said, wow. Man, there's a big hole in the roof, but you know what? That can get fixed. We, we can take care of that. What a blessing that these men got this man to Jesus. What a miracle that, that we have witnessed and that Jesus not only saved this man and forgave this man, but He healed the man and now He's up walking around carrying His bed with Man, we ain't ever seen it like this, but we sure like it. <laughs> We'd like to see some more of it. You know the problem in a lot of our churches? Are, man, we've seen it all. We've heard it all. We've done it all. That's why you need to get some new converts. Man, go out and try to tell people about the Lord and get them in here because they ain't seen all this and it's still exciting to them. Some of you, you've been saved 50 years and don't nothing stir you anymore. <laughs> but you keep this place full of new converts, amen, they'll get excited about what Jesus is doing. But by the way, us that have been saved a long time, let's stay stirred up about it. Amen. Let, let's just keep saying, even if we have seen it on this fashion, I still like to see it. Time after time after time after time. What a blessing. You know what they did? You know what that was? That was them glorifying God. Hey, well, they weren't giving praise to the palsied man or even the men that brought him. That was just their way of saying, glory be to God. What a miracle. What a sight to behold. I like that crowd tonight that still likes bragging on God and giving Him glory. And you know what, brother and sister? You keep giving to the work of missions. You keep going to the mission field. You keep being a witness and trying to see people saved and get them in church and, and helping them grow in Christ. You'll be a crowd that just constantly stands back going, glory be to God. Look what our mighty, wonderful God has done. I like that crowd that likes to give God glory. I don't need any glory. I don't deserve any, and you don't either. But He does. Amen. Amen. He's worthy of all the praise and all the glory. Amen. And if we'll just get busy tonight saying, I want to help somebody get to Jesus. Do your part, whatever that may be. Whatever it may be, just say, I'll step out of my comfort zone to give more, to go more. To be a greater witness. I'll step out of my comfort zone. I'll be a little bit more bold. Just so I can share with somebody else what Jesus Christ has done for me. Getting them to Jesus. You say, preacher, we're saved. Why are we still here? Because there's people that still need to hear.
There's people that have not heard, even right here, amen, in the buckle of the Bible Belt, there's people in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, that have not heard about this man named Jesus. I promise you somewhere, probably even within this proximity, there's somebody that hasn't heard. It'd be real easy just to say, well, they've all heard, they all know. Oh, you'd be surprised. Amen. I'm glad there's some missionaries that want to go to some foreign lands so they can tell them about a man named Jesus. Get them to Jesus. Let's all stand tonight.